Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June and Joe show. Today, we have a super special guest. Joe, want to introduce our guest? That's right. Episode 24. And we have Phil Moriello, who is the, what we like to say, famous voice behind the California Underground podcast. Phil, how many followers do you have now? It's like astronomical. Uh, on Instagram, it's almost 19,000. So Wow. June I and feel I, a little nervous today because like we're with a true professional. June and I can only dream such big dreams. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, before well, we if have, it makes you feel any better, I started California Underground about over three years ago, so it took a while to gain traction. So it, it wasn't always, you know, big social media influencer status. Yeah. Well, before we kind of jump into the topic we want to talk about today with you, what do you kind of attribute for why so many people are, are tuning in and? listening to what you have to say. Uh, I think the one feedback I get is people are really seeking information that it it seems unbiased and um, it has no spin to it. I think people are just so tired of, I, I hate to say like the mainstream media and the corporate media where there's always a spin. There's always an angle as to what they're trying to, to feed you. So people appreciate honesty and being open about stuff and debunking stuff and um, calling out your own side and your own team when it's it's required. So that seems to get a lot of pe- people like that because they know they can at least trust or, or feel good about coming to the page and getting information. Well, you've been talking a lot about the gubernatorial recall here in California, and um, a lot of your followers are really into following the recall and what's going on here right now. So we thought we would bring you on our show to talk about that topic as the election is only 15 days away. What -hmm. are your initial thoughts on that recall process? Do you think it's going to pass? I I, I have a... I am cautiously optimistic about where it's going. And the reason I am is because I kind of look at Gavin Newsom's antics and how he's reacting to this and sort of the sheer panic I think he's he's exuding um, shows that he doesn't seem like he thinks he has it in the bag. And it's going to be a lot closer than he's envisioning. So if he were just kicking back and not really caring, maybe I, I'd feel a little bit more worried. But I think because he's panicking so much, and he's begging people to come to his his aid. Gives me hope that he knows something that he might be in for a rude awakening come September 14th. Now you were uh, in one of your recent podcasts talking a lot about history and one of your favorite presidents, Teddy Roosevelt. And you were talking about how kind of that whole time period led, led into the history of uh, California's recall and reform movement and uh, Hiram Johnson and all the rest. One of the things I read in Politico today was that uh, Governor Newsom is is looking at Scott Walker as a model uh, of of how to avoid a recall. And it said, and I don't know if this is true, that's why I'm bringing it up. Scott Walker, I guess, is the only governor that has successfully avoided a recall election. Do you know if that's true or if that's just Politico making stuff up? Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know the history all over the nation about recalls. Yeah. Um, but I this think one, this one's in it like every I think it's I saw something like three out of there have been five gubernatorial recalls in like the 20th century and only three of them been recalled or something like that. So yeah. this one feels don't different. quote me on that. Yeah, this one feels different. I mean, 
you know, the history, local, you know, recent history was that uh, the governor wanted this to happen quickly. And, uh, you know, the thought was, hey, we're out of this COVID mess and everyone's got short memories. And, and I even said that everyone's got short memories and everyone's, you know, happy here in, in California. Uh, but it looks like things are not so great in California right now. I mean, we always, uh, you know, Phil, you, me, June, we're always aware that things are not great in California, despite what the mainstream media is telling us. But you know, right now, in particular, we've got some significant issues with homelessness spiking, murder spiking, uh, the wildfires. What do you what do you think are, Phil, some of the biggest issues that are going to drive voters to support the recall of the governor? Uh, that's tough. I, I mean, I think the one thing I always say on the podcast is that I think COVID exposed the absolute rot of Sacramento. And I think a lot of people didn't really care because the weather's nice and, you know, we can go to the beach and, you know, this is only for coastal cities, but for, for the most part, people just kind of, as long as they're not being bothered and they live day to day, they may complain about gas prices and their property taxes, but at the end of the day, they still send their kids to school and everything's just humming along. I think COVID exposed the absolute rot of Sacramento by closing the public schools. They saw issues with public teachers unions and how much power they have over their students' lives. Um, And also people saw really how much power local officials had. And I think people are now waking up to it and looking at everything going, wow, like, is this how bad the state really is? What are we going to do about this? So I I think it's, it was the shock to the system that got people to really look at everything critically in California and really say, is this the path we want to keep going down? So today in The Guardian, which I think is published in the United Kingdom, talked about the recall and how much money Gavin Newsom has in his coffers and how they think that it's not going to make any difference because it's not a traditional campaign where you need to persuade people to vote for you, but it's going to be a question of turnout and who can really get the voters out. And I personally think that um, we have an advantage because the people who are voting yes on recall are much more motivated to kick Newsom out than any voters who want to save him from being recalled. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the people who are really passionate about this are, and you're seeing not only Republicans, even though they're trying to say it's a Republican-led recall, I've talked to plenty of people who are not Republicans, are Democrats, registered Democrats who are for this recall, who are pushing back on a lot of what's going on in this state. And I think they're they're passionate about it. And I think, again, that goes back to once you interfere with people's lives, uh, and this is another term that I use on the podcast, which is BAMs for badass moms. They have like, they're, they've been at the forefront of everything. And once you screw with a mom and her kids and her family, like they will go to war and that's the wrong person to tick off in California. And Gavin Newsom has galvanized that entire movement, which then galvanizes their families, their friends, their neighbors. So I think there's a lot of passion behind getting out there and voting. Meanwhile, the other side, people who are voting now, I think are kind of lulled into this sense of comfort of, well, there's so many more Democrats and, you know, he's going to beat it easily. And, you know, this is just dumb Trumpers doing dumb Trumper things. 
Um, and I think they'll just stay home or they won't vote and they'll just think it's in the bag. And that plays to our advantage as well. By the way, for those of you only listening on audio, as soon as Phil mentioned Bam's badass moms, June quickly pointed to herself as a badass mom, which I would agree. Uh, I would agree mm. with that. Uh, so it, I, I think turnout is imperative in this race. Um, but I've got to say, you know, one of the things I'm concerned about is I'm sitting on my ballot right now. I know exactly how I want to fill that ballot out. But I haven't yet because I'm hearing messages from my party that are concerned about, you know, mailing those ballots in. And I, I, I frankly just haven't had time to sort through it all to figure out, well, what am I supposed to be doing with my ballot? I know exactly how I want to turn it in. And push comes to shove, I will drive my own ballot to the registrar voters on the last day if I have to. Um, but, you know, I'm concerned, frankly, that we are in some ways shooting ourselves in the foot. Democrats are saying, hey, vote, you know, vote often, vote however you need to get out there and vote. And the last couple of cycles, because of this 30 days of mail ballots, our side is saying, make almost make it harder for our side to vote by saying you have to do it a certain way. And I worry about those that are going to let the, the election day for particularly a race like this, that's not, um, you know, not the normal election day, come and go and just forget to get their ballots in or, or, or not realize they're going to be out of town. Uh, you know, they're on vacation and they forget that they're on vacation and they're on vacation when election day happens. So what, what do you, I mean, have you paid attention to any of those uh, concerns about how we vote now, what we should be doing? Yeah, I, I've tried to put out as many tutorials and videos explaining the process um, and also the, kind of debunking some of the myths that got out there about like envelope gate and all that uh, with the holes in it. And um, I think the one thing is, is really you got to get that information out there. And I think they're, they're not really letting people know where you can go vote in person, which is a big issue or how you find out how to vote in person or that it's starting this weekend, you can go vote in person. There is early voting in California. So that's really up to um, people to really put out that information and let people know. And then it kind of just spreads like wildfire. And you'll be surprised that once somebody hears something, whether it's from me or, or like another social media person, that starts to spread and people tell that person, that person, that person. So it's really about education. And I'm I'm a little disappointed that there hasn't been more effort on our side to walk people through exactly how to vote in person, exactly when early voting is, and all the logistics so that they, people can make the necessary plans. Because a lot of people are just kind of left in the dark as to if they've never voted before, they don't really understand. So, Right. I think, and it's also hard um, even to spread that information on social media because we are divided into so many different counties, each with their own set of rules here in California. So not everyone has the same like dates or processes for in-person voting. Um, I personally mm -hmm. mailed mine in and I used the ballot tracker to make sure that it safely traveled through the postal service and reached the registrar of voters. And I know that many of our elected officials on the Republican side are comfortable with mail voting as well. But to the extent that somebody's not, Joe's right. How do we make sure that they don't miss that window of opportunity to go vote? Yeah, I think it's just all about education. I think it's about letting people know and, and giving them the options. Um, some people are, are really, really passionate about do not 
drop off your ballot, do not mail it in. And you have to explain to people like, yeah, it's okay. You can mail it in. There's this little, in San Diego, there's this little tab you pull off and you get to hold on to that receipt and it gives you all your information. Like you were saying, it gives you your ballot tracker um, and there's ways to do it. And if you're uncomfortable with the US mail, you can go drop it off. There's plenty of ways to do it. I think people have just gotten so shell-shocked from 2020 and everything that happened that they're afraid of every little thing and they think everybody's cheating. And they think like the only way Newsom's going to win is if he cheats and and finds a hundred thousand ballots or something hiding under like a trash can or something. So. Well, I do think he's going to spend the vast majority of his money on professional ballot harvesters and that there is going to be that element that we have to deal with. But if they're planning on, I don't know, harvesting a hundred thousand ballots across the state, I think it's our duty on our side of the recall to make sure there's 110 people voting to counteract that. Like we just have to have them run out of runway with whatever they're planning on their side. Yeah, absolutely. We only have about under two minutes left. And I know that you haven't endorsed in this race. So not asking you who you're going to vote for, but uh, in the final couple of minutes on question two, any interesting observations you have on any of the candidates on the que- on the second question? I know who you're not voting for. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody who follows me knows who I'm not voting for, um, and we won't bring him up. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to see like Larry Elder got such a huge bump. Um, I don't know if that's the Trump effect because people think celebrities and businessmen are like automatically great candidates. Um, I mean, that doesn't automatically make someone a great candidate just because they're a businessman or they're a celebrity. Um, He's very charismatic. I I went to the meeting last month where he was uh, and he spoke. He was very charismatic. Um, But I mean, it's I think it's going to be a Republican. If it gets past the first question, it's going to be a Republican governor. I don't think Kevin Paffrath and his pipeline to the Mississippi is going to is going to win. So. That's that's basically I, I I did make a prediction that maybe someone like Kevin Faulkner gets a lot of those people who put him as a backup uh, because there may be people who vote no, but then put Kevin Faulkner as a backup just because they're like, well, I know he's moderate enough that I could swallow or stomach him. Um, but who knows? Maybe it, it's it's completely a wild game. It looks like Larry Elder's running away with it, but. You know, this is my first recall, so I don't really know what could happen. I think it's anyone's game and we are out of time. Phil, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you'll join us again sometime. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, guys. Take care.